is Jeans and a Nice Top, a crash course in modern dating with Ash and Mel. Hey Ash. Hi Mel. Hey listeners. Welcome back to Jeans and a Nice Top, the world's greatest dating podcast. (laughs) Wow. Where we don't have an ego, we don't think highly of ourselves. No way. <laughs> the absolute best. No one way. else is better. No Mm-mm. other dating podcast. Absolutely not. Modesty no. is for chumps. I'm Who's Dolly Alderton? No yeah, one knows. I know. I'm going in hard on this week's episode. <laughs> <laughs> we're definitely the number one. Even if we're not number one on the iTunes charts, we're still number one. <laughs> 201 perhaps you know (laughs) we're up there we're somewhere oh I always love it's so funny this season doing these like just you and I episodes Mm. because I'm used to like having that extra person now but then I'm like oh it's just me and Ash just gas bagging it's just the old (laughs) gang guys just the old crew um what's been going on Oh, what's been going on? Well, of course, I've uh, just been watching some extremely stale telly. Oh, no. It gets, it gets, my life gets staler as it gets colder. Like I talk about seasonal affective disorder like I am from Sweden. I mean, <laughs> I, I act like, I act like it's sub zero temps and we're getting four hours of daylight. But in reality, I mean, I had a swim after work on Monday and I'm still like, oh, I know. So it's like you're literally in a tie dye t shirt that's like, electric pink i don't think that we can Winter talk about seasonal effectiveness disorder <laughs> we cannot but yeah i've just been re-watching a great show called private practice from the beginning what the is fuck is private the practice extremely c-grade poor cousin to gray's anatomy where one one actress went across from gray's anatomy <gasps> and started a show kate That's walsh right. aka the fiercest woman in television addison montgomery shepherd then she dropped the shepherd. But yes. I just love her attitude. I love that sassy medical drama. And also because I have been psyching myself up. Anyone who knows me know I have mortal fear of blood tests. Needle. <laughs> I don't, so I can get a tattoo or a needle in the butt, but I cannot get anything in the crook of my arm. Mm-hmm. So yesterday I took myself and got my uh, my yearly blood test to check up, you know, my iron and all my yep. things. And I went alone. And it was Ooh, really brave. And I said, yeah, thanks. It was a big milestone. <laughs> um, I absolutely howled. Oh. <laughs> but uh, my pathology guy was really sweet. So, um, You yeah, ask for that's... the baby needle. I always ask for the baby needle and they're like, sure. And then I'm like, I don't think there is a baby needle. I just it's, like the oh, idea that there is. See, I just walk in when they're like, Ashley Austin, and I'm in the waiting room like, with my shaky knee and my shaky arm. And then I'm like, yeah, get in. I'm like, I just want to tell you I'm scared. And then I just burst into <laughs> tears and they're like, it's okay. There's nothing to be scared. And when they're like, we're just going to, we're just looking, we're just looking. They always say that when they ask me <laughs> to show the arm and I'm like, nothing sharp yet. And they're like, we're just looking. I'm like, not the strap either. <laughs> not the strap. Don't put that little, that little anti- antiseptic swab on my oh, arm it's honestly <laughs> the smell of that antiseptic swab really does things to my sweat glands yeah. it just gives me the prickly like I feel myself just going and I yeah I yesterday I had a big jumper on jeans because it was cold when I went in there and I tell you they need a wash like I was <laughs> I was pretty sweaty anyway 
know, this is a dating podcast, not a how to crush your phobia podcast. So that probably needed a big old trigger warning too if anyone else is scared of the old B test because it was a lot. I was going to say because I had the same thing as you were. I was so deathly scared of it. But then when I got glandular fever, I had to get so many blood tests. And then I now I'm just like, whatever, whenever anything's wrong with me, I'm like, but how about we do a blood test as well just for fun, like just to see. Oh, see, yeah, that's it's funny because after working at Women's Health for so many years, I used to love like looking into my levels and stuff and being like, oh, I must like, oh, there must be something wrong with my thyroid. Time to like get on the vitamins for that. Yeah. But so now my GP won't do them. She's oh. like, no, you can have once a year and that's as a treat and no more. As a treat. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not allowed to just keep going back and being like, what? which is dumb because I'm scared of them anyway. Anyway, Mel, what's been happening with you this week? Well, I, well, and I think that anybody who tuned into our Clubhouse event, which was last Friday, Sunday night, sorry. Sunday night, it's a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun, would have heard me going on. Well, actually, I talked about two things. I should should bring up how obsessed I am right now with erotic thrillers. So going Mm -hmm. through this weird thing, um, me and Tom are like going through erotic thrillers on streaming services. And it's not even a sex thing. It's literally like we watched Basic Instinct and we were like, fuck, this is good. Not just because it's like you get everything. It's sexy. There's... There's hot sex scenes, but also there is this sort of like thriller whodunit plot that Mm. runs underneath it and it's like strong enough to keep you hooked, but it's not so complicated that you have to pay attention the whole time because that's kind of the whole format of erotic thrillers is it's kind of like 50% about boobs, 50% about like a murder that needs to be solved. And so we watched that and then we went to the Blue Mountains last weekend And we were like, what's another one we can watch? And I got obsessed with watching. I think the reason I'm going through this is because there are all these movies that when I was young, I wasn't allowed to watch, but they were like big, like big films in the like late 90s. Oh, yeah, like they were not church approved. Like your family were not sitting down to teas together as a family. I mean, exact family was really, but yours especially were not. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I don't think any families are sitting down for a group watching of striptease, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and then it's like we there was this film called Color of Night, which is Bruce Willis in his prime, like when he's hot. So hot, so hairy. Mm. Like Ooh. he there's this scene where he goes for a run in some like bodies and no shirt, and he's just like tan and like a big rug. I and love just that. Babe town. Anyway, and then it's him and he is a psychologist. Mm-hmm. And he he's going through his own trauma because he was he was um psychologisting someone. <laughs> and she nice like in the middle of their psychology session just jumps out the window. It's a bit unbelievable, but, you know, chaos. And so he's obviously going through some shit. And then he gets – he goes to L.A. for a break and he hangs out with this really rich psychologist friend who's, like, living the dream there. And then that friend is running, like, a group therapy session with all these different people in it. And then his the friend is killed in his office and then it becomes a who done it out of the group. But then also – there's this woman, obviously, a hot babe, oh, yeah, who, and they're always is. younger. They're always younger than the leading man. Like the leading man is always like in his early 40s and hooking up with like a 20-something-year-old. And uh, and it's always this really unbelievable, like it's like 
bitch, she's like, like a not, thin not white supermodel. Yeah, like, yeah. and you're always like, dude, like, in what world does a woman just like walk up to you and start taking her clothes off when she isn't going to try and murder you? Like, get a clue, stop thinking with your dick. But man, this film, so this film is so fucking good. Like, we were like. At first, it was, like, really slow going and we were sort of like, oh, do we turn it off? It's pretty boring. But then it just, like, snap. And then, honestly, the ending blew our minds. We were talking about it for, like, an entire day afterwards. And we are like, why are we talking about this D-grade film from, like, 1995 <laughs> at length? Like, we could not get over it. So, I highly recommend if anyone wants to see some, like, there's, there's like, pool sex, there's mm. shower sex, mm. um... And but mainly and most importantly, there's a really fucking good twist. So, um, but there's been that. Sorry, I, I wasn't intending to talk about that, but here we are. Here we are, folks. Um, and uh, also, I've been reading about 400 different books on attachment theory, which is what this episode's about. So, the one you've read is Attached: The New Science of Adult Attachment and how yeah. it can help you find and keep love. Right? Yes. That's the one. Yeah. So I'm reading Attached, but then also in the group. Gemma, um, friend friend of the podcast, Gemma, um, mentioned this other sort of – it's this woman called Tyce Gibson and she has like a sort of a YouTube channel uh, but also has a quiz online but also wrote her own book and Gemma was saying like she went really deep into attachment theory in relationships and found that attached, which I would agree with, is quite harsh on avoidant attachment styles, which we'll get into mm. in a minute – um, but the Tyus Gibson book is a bit more um, empathetic, I suppose, because all the attachments, every like the the overarching thing is that everybody is looking for love and for that partnership in some form. Well, we're social creatures, humans. Yes, that's, yes, and that's we're kind built of what for connection. Yeah, and and but this is what's interesting is that like attached to just jump straight into this whole chat talks first and foremost about how for a long time there we were all kind of obsessed with this idea of codependency and it being a really negative Mm. thing but they're sort of saying well no like we went too far that way and we are meant to be dependent in some Mm. way on other people not necessarily a romantic partner because obviously sometimes we're single we don't have that but you notice like if you think about your life Mm. we are all kind of yearning in some way for a partnership or you know intimacy in some form like when I'm single it's usually like with my family with my sister with my really good friends you know like there's people in your life that you you lean on or you have that kind of stronger relationship where you are in some ways codependent sort of you know yeah and there's obviously like too far that way but yeah but and before we actually jump into it the attachment theory so what an attachment style is so if you're new to that term yes yeah, sorry yes I just so jumped it's, way ahead <laughs> it's a psychology so it's a psychological theory developed by a UK psychologist John Balby and so it categorized the way that humans form emotional bonds. So he believed that the earliest bonds are formed by children and their caregivers, so usually their parents, and that would have like quite a big impact and that continues throughout your life. So these could be like the consistency and security you get from your caregivers and other significant life events. So they um, happen when you're younger and they, they basically shape how you attach yourself to people down the track. Totally, and, and it started as, like, research into kids, hey? Like, it started 
as a sort of look at why children have like they, they they sort of noticed a difference between certain children like some children like and I remember there's like a really interesting experiment where it's like a little kid that's left in a room and their mom is in there and they're playing and the, with toys the 1950s leaves, study hey. how the, yeah. the mom and the mom has her back to them and they like learn how to try they do their different cues to get attention and I mean when you look at it we are exactly the same like when you look at some of your behaviors you're like wow Totally. I am acting like a child. And so there yes. are four there are four attachment styles. So there's secure, yep. there's dismissive avoidant or avoidant, anxious, preoccupied or anxious, and fearful avoidant or disorganized. Yep. So yep. the those are the four. And you usually it's kind of like other you can take an online quiz to find out which one you are. There's many online. Um they're all generally sort of in the same vein. But you can be two. So some yeah. people are like mostly secure, but then also dismissive avoidance. So you usually like straddle a couple of them. Um, yeah. What um, were you? What did you straddle? Uh, so I was secure um, and dismissive avoidance. So mm. secure is like securely attached people tend to have a strong sense of self. They're in touch with their emotions. They show affection in a healthy way. Dismissive, avoidant, uh, usually people are self-sufficient, independent, emotionally yep. distant and fearful of vulnerability. So, um, yeah, I mean, when I read that, I was like, this is me. <laughs> You're like, why am I being seen yeah, so hard? Yeah. Well, this is why I'm so drawn to it because I think for a long time, so I'm, for context, I am somewhere, I'm a whole fucking mix. I've done a couple of different quizzes and I've come up most of the time as anxious avoidant yeah like both but yeah. then there's still quite a high amount of secure in there when like the answers come through mm. and I think that's more because I'm learning I think now it's more like if I had done that quiz 10 years ago I think I'd be so fucked up I'd be like straight up anxious avoidant no secure so I think it's more mm. that I'm learning and I think that's what's really nice about this theory is that it's not like you're fucked forever it's not like oh you're like 100% anxious you are never going to be able to maintain a healthy relationship it's like understanding why like it's almost like understanding your behaviors in the context of these attachment theories and I don't know about you but like I've always found with psychology stuff for me a massive like the majority part of me healing I guess or like developing Mm. like personal development is understanding why I do the things that I do. And when I can't understand why I do the things I do, I just keep doing them. So like, um, for example, if I am scared, like if I, if I like find myself like picking my partner apart, Mm. um, and I don't know why that is, I'll immediately decide it's because I don't like them enough. Whereas Mm. in, in the context of these theories, that's a very natural sort of reaction of somebody who is avoidant and it is a way for the avoidant person to push that person away and avoid the intimacy that they're scared of and then I suddenly go oh well fuck that's an explanation and then it almost dissipates like that 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 behavior just disappears it like dissolves basically because I recognize it for what it is and it doesn't hold as much like power in my mind. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, because it's interesting you said through um, psychology because I was reading that you can change your attachment style. Mm -hmm. So the main way to change your attachment style is like working through those psychological factors with 
a psychologist and that can help you sort of recognize past experiences that happened when you were younger and how you've just sort of kept those with you and built on them and built on them until they just turn into quite negative behaviors and patterns and then you can change them totally and that's what I mean well that's what I mean like I think that if I'd done that quiz years Mm. ago my results would be very different and they would be very heavy on anxious and avoidant and there wouldn't Mm. be much secure answers in there because I wasn't like I was yeah I wasn't secure whereas over the years as I've slowly worked on myself and worked on how I behave in relationships um I I think I have started to move more toward secure attachment um Mm. but i was gonna say i think the two that cause people because obviously someone that's secure like a secure attachment person doesn't really have that many issues like your issues would mainly be with if you were with a partner who was anxious or avoidant you know but but anxious and avoidant people i think these come up so often and I, first, I wanted to talk about the anxious person because mm-hmm. this to me is every behavior that I've done when – so when the, when someone I'm in a relationship with or I'm dating or whatever, and we've had this come up so many times in the group, when that person starts to disappear or like starts to pull away, and it can be that they're pulling away because they just need their own space. It can be that mm. they're pulling away because they don't like you or whatever the reason. It's like we push in harder if we have that anxious attachment and we and we're like no come back and we almost like drive up the amount of contact we make and we start stressing about things and turning mountains into molehills yeah absolutely and i think we've all been in that position where mm. we like most of the time when someone's pulling away it actually has nothing to do with you at all like every time i've pulled away from someone it's because i am processing stuff like even this week, I've just felt a bit like off and a bit just like processing like just my own thoughts. And so then I hang out with less friends. I pull away from I don't hang out with my partner. You know, like there's mm-hmm. there's things where I think it's not necessarily a reflection on that person. It's always what's it's happening. It's just with, you. Yeah. yeah. It's not on that relationship. It's like no. some people need that. And like you're more like that than I am. Yeah. And I think like you've talked about this often, how you need your alone time. You need that time to yourself where, you know, you can process. And that is such mm. textbook avoidant. Not not that it like, – no. it's, it's, it's funny because you say, the, like, the term avoidant and that doesn't necessarily mean that that person is, like, always avoiding commitment. Mm. It's just, like, almost like avoidant people are often also that type of person that need, like, that time to themselves. They need those independent activities. They need that, that sort of um, – alone time more than say somebody who falls more into the anxious yeah type you know and when I look back I'm like that's exactly like that was my childhood though like not hugged as a kid sort of thing left to my yeah. own devices so now like if someone like a, a friend of mine describes me as a cat she's like you have to leave Ash alone and yeah. then she'll come to you when she wants a pat. Like you can't try to like <laughs> you can't grab her and drag her on the couch and snuggle up to her because she will just scratch your eyes out and then leave. Like, <laughs> uh, and I feel that like with a partner, with the friends, like with family. If you come at me, I get overwhelmed and I yeah. can't cope. And that happens a lot in the early stages of dating. You're excited. Someone's coming at you all the time. They want you and all of you, and they want to keep hanging out because it's fun. Mm-hmm. And then an avoidant person's like, "Yo, back up!" Like I can't. 
cope with this. Yes. It's overwhelming. I need to process over here. It doesn't mean I don't like you, but just back up so I can do some processing. Yeah, totally, totally. And I think that's like the issue with um, an anxious person paired with an avoidant person, which I think I've found myself getting into in past relationships is that when the avoidant person pulls away, the anxious person pushes in, which is just going to push the avoidant person away more. And so then you'll find, you know, when you've got somebody that goes a bit cold on you and then you go, oh, and like, you know, you're pushing in and you can feel the anxiety. Like when I've done it, I can feel that I'm operating in this like bad vibration. It's like this chaotic, like high, high vibration in a bad way, you know? Yeah. Where I'm like, I'm like, I've got to text them again. I've got to, you know, go on Instagram and post a hot pic so they'll like it. Like I've got to like get attention somehow from them. Um, and then you can almost feel that everything you're doing is is making them more, um, I guess, avoidant. Mm. Um, and I've definitely ruined things. Oh, not, I mean, look, this is the thing. As I posted on Instagram the other day, you cannot ruin something that is healthy, right? Like you can't. I just don't believe that you can ruin a healthy connection uh, through, you know, not being perfect or not behaving perfectly, not texting perfectly or whatever. But I think I've conde- you can definitely ruin something that was probably always already going to die anyway, right? Mm. And and I've done that through this behavior. Like I've been in the wrong relationships. The person is pulling away or fading out and I push harder in and it just accelerates that end of that relationship really oh yeah and I've been on both ends of that like I am low anxiety but highly avoidant to the point where I can't even reach out to someone like the the, the amount of times when someone when okay so if I'm dating someone I don't hear from them for a week and I text them I'm like hey where are you being stranger and then this is like if we've been dating for you know a month or so and then they always write back like oh, I thought you were done. I thought you were over it. And I'm yeah. like, what? I wasn't over it. I mean, like I'm like, I'm really digging you. And they're like, well, you just seem to be annoyed by me all the time. And like, I just, you just don't, you don't seem like you like the person I am. And that has been a recurring like mm. pattern of relationships I've got to well, dating scenarios I've got myself into, but even you can be too avoidant and it's negative because you can't show that you can't show any vulnerability that you like someone and that sucks as much like almost just as much like it's just as negative as like in that anxious scenario where you're clawing at someone the avoidance like I want to put my hand up and say I like you but instead I'm just gonna like bail because I can't yeah and it's 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 just good to understand though like this is the thing as shitty as it is Mm. every like reading this book I was like I think it's the most like connected I felt to a theory, a psychological kind of theory yeah. I've ever about myself that I've ever felt. I suddenly was like, oh my God, the relief I felt. Because every time I've gotten into a relationship and in this relationship, and like I can say this because like I talked to Tom quite like transparently about this, mm. but like every time there's a point where suddenly I freak the fuck out and it's like I want to run away, I start to question whether I I like the person enough Mm. I start to like 
pick apart their behaviors or you know whatever like I'll just I'll like be like oh that joke wasn't funny and then I'll like stew on that one joke and I'll it blinds me to the rest of the times the person's funny. This is different from the ick right this is this how how do you differentiate this because we've spoken about you've spoken about the ick before. Well see this is to me the ick and this is why I think the ick well this is why I think that the ick needs to be assessed not just blindly believed because if you're an avoidant person you will always get the ick because you don't want to step into that next level of intimacy Mm. and like obviously like (laughs) i'm talking like a psychologist i'm not a psychologist oh yeah we should we really should have (laughs) topped this episode with guys we're just two gals spitballing just just an anxious and an avoidant gal just talking about the uh the wide world of psychological theories uh yeah so don't take this like obviously if you want to delve into this we recommend reading these books um because they're by actual people with phds or you know get some get some cognitive behavior therapy on your Belt, you know, go get some CBT, ladies and yes. gents. But like just from a top line perspective and obviously like for me personally, I, um, you know, I these are all these behaviours that I'll do. And and that's why I went the, with the ick. I was always like, this is interesting because it comes on so suddenly. You can be so obsessed with somebody and then suddenly you're completely off them. To me, that's not rational behaviour. Like that's not from anything I've been taught from going to psychologists it's not it's not a gradual realization it's like an instantaneous like light switch moment which mm. i just think needs more assessment in your own brain before you actually make any actions based on it and so i suppose it's the same thing to me as the ick in that if you genuinely were just like besotted with somebody and felt a connection and all of these things, and then woke up one day and were like, I have no connection to this person, I can't stand them. Maybe you don't. Like, I don't know, everyone's different. But I also think maybe you need to, like, decide whether you're avoiding that next stage of commitment. Because for me, I go from the, like, lovely fun bit where you're on a first few dates and you're smitten and everything's fun and lovely, and then it's it cruises into a relationship where you're seeing them regularly, you're exclusive, mm. you're – you know, you stop dating, you stop being on the apps, and then suddenly I'll, I'll like, yeah, have a switch moment where I suddenly, like, freak out. And I know now that that's me avoiding opening up to somebody, stepping into a new level of intimacy and of commitment, and I'm sure it will happen. Like, at the moment, everything's chill with us, and it's definitely been the most chill relationship, and I think a lot of that's to do with work I've done on myself, plus the fact that Tom's really secure and, like, can handle my shit (laughs) and, like, doesn't, like, you know, he's he's not really avoidant or anxious, and so I don't really get any there's no triggers that can spark me off as well, but at the same time he can, like, you know, he's pretty, like, He's pretty emotionally intelligent, particularly around psychological stuff. So he doesn't like freak out when you say like, you know, I'm having a bit of a moment or whatever. Yeah. Um, but not to say he's perfect. I made it sound like he's perfect, but he's not. But like, <laughs> he's pretty good. Um, and I was going to say, yeah. So like, I think for me, when I was reading the book, like, for example, one of the things it talks about is the Phantom X, which is mm. this idea that you you get into a new relationship and suddenly you're like, 
oh, what about that ex? What could have been? And Ugh. fuck me, do I do this all the time? Like yeah. I'll, I'll suddenly decide I'll have no interest in people that I used to date at all until I'm dating somebody new. And then suddenly it's like I realize that like I'm closing a door, like, you know, to, you know, you, you, you committing to somebody. So you're closing off other options yeah. that weren't even options, but you just no. suddenly decide that they were. And in the book it talks about this and they're like saying, you know, this is all made up. You're, you you fantasize about a past relationship or something like a dating thing that didn't go anywhere or you ended. And because you're avoiding that intimacy and that commitment, you then elevate that to this like pedestal. And it's not about you suddenly having these incredible feelings for this person. It's usually just that you are trying to find a new way to pull away from where you're going in this relationship. Isn't that fucking fascinating, though? It is fascinating as well because, the, like, I don't know if anyone's heard about that book, The Body Keeps the Score, about, you know, how we process trauma and just really tough events in our life. But it's ironic that we don't seem to remember a lot of the bad stuff in that situation. Like I'm sure that when you're like wondering what could have been, you're not thinking about like how they would like go on a bender and not call you for three days. You're thinking about that like time that they like were really fun in front of your mom and really nice. Like you never think about the bad stuff because our body, our memory doesn't want to remember bad stuff. It remembers good stuff because the bad yes. stuff's hard to hold on to. So yes. in that situation, I always chat it through with a mate who knew me when I was like knew me through it, those past relationships because they always are saying like Ash are you like okay in the head do you remember when he xyz or do you remember when he and then I'm like right it just brings me back down to earth because yeah my my memory doesn't serve me in those situations yes at all it doesn't at all and you're so right like you you definitely rose-colored glasses it but it's oh, always yeah. like I, like, I just always find it so interesting. Whenever I'm in a relationship, I'm more aware of exes. Not always, like, like just occasionally. Yeah. But then when I'm single and could easily go there if I wanted to or start something, yeah. I have no interest in doing it. So, to me, that then says, okay, what's changed? You're avoiding – you're in a new intimate situation and you're getting vulnerable and suddenly you are trying to find any way your brain is literally trying to find ways to get you out of that to avoid because it's scary and it comes down to fear like all of this anxious and avoidant it comes down to fear and obviously anxious the fear is more obvious because you're like no I need the intimacy like come closer I'm scared that you're going to run away from me it's an outward emotion arguably whereas avoidant can be quite inward yes and you can it can be harder to recognize that that's the driving force, I think. And for me, I used to get these X thoughts and it would just plague me and I would just go into this like dark cloud where I'm like, no, I'm really into my partner, but suddenly I'm like thinking whether I would have been more into this other person and like I get really consumed by it. Whereas these days I go, oh, wait a minute. Like what you said, go and talk to somebody, go and like dissect it, get the reality check because usually the reality check is, Mel, you did not like that person or like Mel, (laughs) that person was shit. Yeah. And it's it's just the same as what we've spoken about before where, you know, you're almost comparing like your brain's highlight reel. Like you're, Mm -hmm. you're, when you look at someone's Instagram, you're seeing them do all this great stuff and you're really like, shit, I want to be doing all that. You're like, then you feel like a bit of a failure that you haven't hit all these 
these milestones, blah, blah, blah. It's a vicious cycle, but it's the same. When, when you go back through your brain, it's like you're just looking at your relationship Instagram and being like, hey, they're actually like, that was great. But like, man, I wonder what could have been. But then in reality, someone's like, um, excuse me, here's the camera roll. Here. Yes. Enjoy yes. the camera roll with all of the like the outtakes. Because, and then you're like, oh, yeah, I was, I was looking at the looking at the feed not the, yeah got it thanks friend <laughs> yeah like let's look Thank at the actual friend. those little outtakes in there um one other thing i was going to bring up that i remember from the book was more about secure people but then i related it back to me with all my bullshit mm. so secure people can are often more flexible in relationships and they told this kind of i think it was like an analogy or like an example story where it was you know if you're um usually attracted to like you're like oh I I just love like a tall man right Mm. like you know I just love a tall man I love to feel tiny and blah 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 right oh yeah and then you meet somebody and they're you know well actually this wasn't the example this is the example I made up but I remember the example now but I'll tell you this one first because I think they both work and then you meet someone who might be shorter than you, but you get along so well and you have amazing, you laugh with them and you just have all this great, these great times with them. You're attracted to them. And the secure person can quite easily just go, oh, yes, I'm now attracted to this person, even though they don't fit into the typical things that I had in my head about who I would end up with. Mm. I can see that we have a connection and I can easily like, like erase that kind of mold that I had in my head whereas somebody who is like avoidant will often just go oh but they're not this like oh yeah we've got all these great things going on but but they're not tall so I can't possibly be attracted to them you know and much yeah. more rigid in their thinking and 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 also like secure people often are a bit more allow for flaws, you know, like and no one's perfect. But I don't know if you found this, but I would just go into these things where I'm like, and I still do it, where I'm like, oh, no, that person's a bit arrogant or like they're a bit, you know, mm, they don't talk about their feelings or something. Like there's like little things that, that will come up as you get to know them where obviously you're not, you're going to see not all the imperfections about them like we mm. all have where a secure person can kind of not gloss over it, but just kind of accept that part of that person. Often avoidant people will hold on to that and like magnify it and use it as a reason to run away um, and just aren't as accepting of people not being perfect. Yeah. Fuck me, have I done that so many times. Like You can be quite black and white and it's just like all or nothing, in or out, you're dead to me. Like, And I know myself, like, if someone's dead to me, they are dead to me. Like, you are, like, across the street when you see me, I'll look through (laughs) you. Like, and that is a really, really bad personality trait that I've been working on. Mm. But it's the same, like, when you read these attachment styles, if you feel like you're... Like if you feel like you're none of them, you're probably just secure because you're like, hey, I didn't even need to consider this. Like I'm just secure. Yes. But if you but if you do read them and you're like, wow, that is me to a T, it's like you got some work to do, friend. Fully. Like but arguably. It's also, and it's also good though because even if you are a secure person, how good to understand other people like this. Like I yeah. also think I have definitely caused so much grief for ex-partners. When where, they're secure. Yeah, because I will – like behave like you know so fucked up and then they're Mm. like god why is she like suddenly all like 
like cold toward me or like, you know, it's good to understand it because I think we're not all going to end up secure with a secure you. There's a high chance that if you are a secure person, your partner could easily be an anxious or an avoidant person. And maybe all this time you've been like, oh, fuck, like, you know, they're commitment phobe or they're Mm. like, you know, you know, they're clingy or something and it's not that it's like comes into this stuff and I think to understand it is to have more empathy which will only ever strengthen your relationship you know so I think it's good to just know it regardless and I think also obviously the goal is that we all recognize this shit in ourselves and then work toward a more secure attachment in relationships and that's kind of what I'm really working on and I think that I've I'm really proud of myself because I have gotten come a long way. Like I used Mm. to be really chaotic and just pulled by the wind, you know, like I just felt so like, like there was no foundation to my, to my. You felt that way. It's interesting because you felt that way in platonic relationships too, right? Yes. Like it's been like, you've spoken about that through your friendships. So oftentimes our attachment style can be for platonic friends too, right? A hundred percent. Oh, my God. The anxious attachment in me comes out big time whenever anyone's like slightly distant or like slightly Didn't off. invite you to like a party and you're yeah. just like, well, you invite me and you're like, it's like it could be just numbers or like it's you wouldn't, your brain goes straight to the negative sometimes and now you're less like that because you did the work. That's why I reckon even if you're not in a position where you want to see a psychologist or um, you think seeing a psychologist isn't for me, I don't think I have enough problem. like, you know, I am not haven't got anything going on, at least just read a couple of books, like still a little bit of work maybe like on yourself because it can never hurt. No, like, absolutely. always come out better. Exactly. And like, even if you read these books and you're like, "Mm, not really doing much for me, like there'd be something that you get out of it. And what I really liked about like, love that we're like, pushing this book like we're like salespeople. But what I really liked it's about also, it. Also, this book came out in 2010. <laughs> it is stale it's, as hell. It is, like we didn't even have iPhones. Is this not us though? Like this really. <laughs> we're reviewing a book that's 11 years old. <laughs> People, Everyone that's listening to this podcast is like, dude, yeah, attachment theory. We got it. Like <laughs> next. Boring. But I, mean, I have not heard, I had not heard much about attachment theory It's having a renaissance. Yeah, it is having a renaissance. And I think more and more because, you know, I think we're dating more, we are looking inward more, et cetera, et cetera. But what I really liked about the book was that it doesn't just sit – it's very practical. Like it doesn't Mm. just go through what attachments are and how they come to be. It really gives you those kinds of real real examples of like behaviours. And that's where I got the most out of it, like I was saying, about – oh, that's why I fantasize about exes when I get into a relationship. Oh, that's why I, like, pull apart my partner mentally after being obsessed with them originally. Oh, that's why, like, every time, you know, a new level of intimacy is sort of unlocked, I suddenly, like, get a panic attack, you know? Like, it was like, wow, okay, this is, like, practically helpful for me because I can see specific behaviors that connect back to that theory as opposed to just learning about the theory if that makes sense so it was really helpful for me and I get I've gotten like I wrote about the ick for pedestrian years ago it's all anyone talks to you about it's all anyone I still get dms about it (laughs) like I still get people messaging me being like long stories like these 
broken people and I really deeply empathize because I've been there I know this feeling who are just like I don't know what to do like I love my partner we've been together for a year but all of a sudden I just don't want to be near them blah 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 and it's such a horrible traumatic thing to go through because you don't want to hurt the other person Mm. but you also are feeling some really intense feelings and you don't know what to do about it. And so I'm sure there are other people out there like me and like you where we just want to put – almost like put a name to what is happening in our life and like understand why we behave certain ways and how much just understanding it can help dissipate it, you know? Exactly. And that as well is I think, you know, when it comes to these feelings, there's a fine line between sitting on it for too long and dwelling and stewing and letting it – get bigger than Ben-Hur and then the other side is, you know, being really rash and just making a call on it the day after Mm -hmm. you feel that feeling, just being like, well, so, yeah, yeah, broken up with text, coming in hot before your morning coffee. Like, yeah, (laughs) there's a fine line between, I guess, having having a real think about what these feelings mean because they are coming up for a reason but uh, that reason might not necessarily be to to can the whole thing. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but, yes, but, yes, we highly recommend. We'll we put do. In the, um, what is it, the notes? The show notes, yes. The show the, notes. The show notes. If you do want to continue this discussion, we are on Facebook, Jeans in a Nice Top podcast. Come join the group. It's a great, uh, great environment. Everyone's having a bit of a yarn. Or you can follow us on Instagram, mm-hmm. Jeans in a Nice Top underscore pod. Yes, please do. Um, and, yeah, because a lot of this idea actually came from the group. We have a lot of great discussions in there that are not yeah. necessarily always about what we're talking about. No, um, so if you do have thoughts, tell us because, like this episode, we came up with an episode from the group. Exactly. So, yeah, like tell us what you want to hear about, um, you know, because we, as we've said, we may now both have partners, but we have been through the fucking dating ringer. So we have a lot of, a lot of learned wisdom, I feel, Ash. Mood, 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 mood. Not experts, but trying. Uh, <laughs> we have got an expert next week, though, so tune in and then we will uh, catch up with you, just us, the week after. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Bye. guys. Bye. Bye.